Rinkwide Vancouver. The road trip is over. So too is the win streak as the Vancouver Canucks bid for a sixth straight victory comes up just short in Columbus. They fall 4-3 in a shootout to the Blue Jackets. This is Rinkwide Vancouver. It is brought to you by Betway. The road trip that started in St. Louis way back when carried on to the New York area into Pittsburgh, Buffalo, and then the travel troubles that ultimately allowed them to get to Columbus. We wondered, would they have their legs? Well, they had their legs. They got off to a good start. In the end, though, it was the finish as they go 0 for 4 in the shootout. Just one goal scored in the skills competition. As we break this one down, lots to talk about. Jeff Patterson along with Irf von Gaffar once again. And Irf, you can't win them all if you're the Vancouver Canucks. And certainly you can't win a shootout unless you score. They looked like a team that was at the end of the line after seven straight away from home. Yeah, seven straight away from home, Jeff. If you would have told me I was going to wake up at 10 o'clock this morning and see 71 total shots on the board, four rounds of shootout, I would have been like, okay, maybe not. And then this team obviously didn't come out on the right end of the stick there. But, you know, you got to give credit to the Vancouver Canucks. I mean, they did push through this game a little bit. You can tell they were tired. You could tell the legs were a little bit lost under them. They take their record, you know, of 26-0-0 into the third period. So that one's gone as well. But... They got points from some of their big dogs again, and obviously we'll get into it, but uh, not the way they'd want to finish. But I think when you look at this road trip as a total, a very big success, Jeff. Yeah, 5-1-1 one, and one out of the road. So they pick up 11 of a possible 14 points. We had sort of set the baseline. With the kind of season that they're having, I thought 4-2-1 and one would represent success. Well, they did one better than that, 5-1-1. One, and one. But as you said, that unblemished record going to the third period, and now it's got uh, one over there on the far right column, 26-0-1. So they do pick up a point in this. It wasn't a complete lost cause, but... You know, we've said this before, that there are going to come times in your schedule where you have to find ways to push through. And Rick Tockett always talks about, you know, when you think you're tired, I need a little bit more. And I think this is one of those games uh, because there will be tough games down the stretch. Ultimately, playoff hockey is going to be difficult. They won't be playing midday hockey against the Blue Jackets in the playoffs. And give Columbus credit. Like, they pushed hard. I think they sensed that the Vancouver Canucks were at the end of this long line away from home with all that they went through to get from Buffalo to, to Toronto and then ultimately to fly into Columbus late on Sunday night and have to turn around and be ready for a 1 o'clock local time start. We've said this before. We said it against Buffalo the other day and before Christmas, Minnesota and Chicago. Matinee hockey doesn't seem to bring out the best in the Vancouver Canucks. And in saying that, they have managed to pick up points in all four of the early starts. The only problem there is that there are four more early starts to come, including back-to-backs on that road trip just out of the All-Star break in Detroit and Washington. They've got another standalone early start in Minnesota in the second half of the season. And they've got a 12-30 home game against the Anaheim Ducks a little bit later on in the season. So there is more of this matinee set-your-alarm to watch Vancouver Canuck hockey still to come for this team And yeah, I mean, the last thing that they needed after all that they went through on Sunday with the snow and wondering if they were going to get out of Buffalo was an early start. I'm not sure that, uh, you know, a conventional seven o'clock start was going to serve them a whole lot better. But even in saying that, or if like they came out of the gates on fire, a lot of line with the very first shift of the game absolutely pinned the Blue Jackets. They didn't score, but uh, didn't take them long to score, open the scoring as they do so often, 30th time this season, uh, five and a half minutes into the hockey game. But they had the first eight shots of this game, and I thought, okay, right, like there goes that storyline that, you know, whether Rick Tockett, you know, challenged his guys or whether this was just a sign of maturity, 
they seem to park the planes, trains, and automobiles storyline and really got the jump on the Blue Jackets. And so, you know, I'll give the Canucks some credit there because it would have been easy, I think, for them to let the Blue Jackets take the game to them and dictate the way the game was going to go. But ultimately, that isn't how things happened right off the hop. No, not not at all. I mean, you look at the chances the Canucks had. They were all over them. She mentioned the shots, 8-0, you know, and, and then they do get that one nothing lead, obviously. And they played well. Like, they came out. Like, they, they were going to assert their dominance in this game. You know, they were all over them. When the shots were out, they were. I was like, oh, this could be this could be a long night for the Columbus, or long afternoon, sorry, for the Columbus Blue Jackets, you know, down in Columbus. But, you know, in the end, I think after the first period, you know, a little bit tired after that and into the second period. And as you head into the third, obviously, Columbus was able to squeak that one in. But... I really did like there was a play by Elias Pettersson on the power play there. He beat one of the defensemen, fed Brock Besser. And then we've seen Brock score that so many times where he takes the puck from forehand to backhand this season and be able to get it. But obviously wasn't able to squeak it past the goaltender there. So that was nice. And then, you know, just being able to get on on the board first with JT Miller. I swear that puck hit like six different people before it ended up in the back of the net. You and I were laughing about it. We're like, is it Brock's goal? Whose goal is it? Is it Pedersen's goal? Is it one of the def- other defensemen's goals? But, you know, eventually they did end up giving it to JT Miller. And then the all-purpose line, Jeff. Finally getting back on the score sheet, you know, some really good forechecking there from Bluger. And then, you know, obviously Gar- Connor Garland in front in, in that spot and being able to put the puck in the back of the net there. So I think that was a positive to see to be able to see that, that, line, that, that line get back on the score sheet there as well. Yeah, you know, it, it's funny because for JT, it turns out to be his 20th goal. And I like that. There was that little huddle after the goal. And you're right. There was some confusion about uh, double, triple deflection. Who got it? And JT was like, I'm going to the bench first. <laughs> My goal. And uh, he motors through the, the high five line at the bench. And sure enough, it is his goal from Zadorov. And, and Pedersen, five and a half minutes into the game, problem for the Canucks was that lead only lasted 27 seconds because, you know, something we haven't seen from the Vancouver Canucks an awful lot. Like how many times it's almost become, you know, a bit of a, a punchline in Vancouver with Rick Tockett and his non-negotiables and his staples and, you know, wall work and the guts of the ice and on that play, the Columbus first goal, Chinnikov, the puck gets dumped in, Casey DeSmith gloves it down, side of the net, leaves it for Ian Cole. Everything's fine at that point. And then we see Cole play it around the boards. Teddy Bluger, who's the center, is over on the wing as the Canucks are tracking back. He gets beaten by Cole Sillinger, who made a nice play. And I want to talk about Sillinger a little bit later on uh, here on the podcast. But Sillinger beats Teddy Bluger. You know, the Canucks don't win a board battle. But where they've been so good this year is they don't compound mistakes. And so, you know, you can lose the occasional board battle. That's going to happen. But then the puck gets poked down low and to the middle of the ice. Garland is over supporting. I think Ian Cole thought that they were going to reverse the puck. And so he's behind the net. Well, all of a sudden, slot is wide open and uh, Chinnikov makes no mistake there. But it was kind of funny because... You know, that's that blue line that's been so good for the Canucks. They haven't been on the ice for those kinds of goals against. And sure enough, they basically just turned the tables on Columbus because their goal, the result of some good work down low. And how in the world does Connor Garland get that <laughs> wide open? You know, he started this road trip with the slap shot uh, set up by Bluger in St. Louis. This was a little closer to the net, obviously, but uh, he wasn't going to miss from there. And so Connor Garland and that line uh, had a nice road trip. Yeah, they get scored on, but I like the fact that they're the guys that atone for their ways. They make it a 2-1 game, and again, you think, okay, you know, this is a challenge at the end of a trip. Uh, What do the Canucks have left in reserve? But they get out of the first period with a 2-1 lead, and you just kind of figured, well, they'll cruise on their way. But boy, did things change in that second period. And I think if you're Rick Tockett, and again, 
there's lots of circumstances. I think uh, our listeners certainly understand uh, the challenges for the Vancouver Canucks, but whether it's the Blue Jackets or whether you're facing Colorado, Vegas, one of the top teams in the NHL, you don't want to spend as much time as you did in the second period in your own end, defending, relying on your goaltender, some penalty problems there. Columbus hangs 22 shots on the Vancouver Canucks in the second period. Philadelphia did that back in that 2 nothing win. What was that? The third game of the season? Yeah. 22 was the high watermark for shots given up by the Vancouver Canucks. So uh, it still is the, the number, but uh, Columbus matches what Philadelphia did. And you could just kind of feel, I thought, in that second period, you know, the Blue Jackets tied, the Canucks restored, matching power play goals, but momentum clearly on Columbus's side uh, after 40 minutes of play. Yeah, and you look at that power play goal for the Vancouver Canucks as well. You know, the 43, Quinn Hughes to JT Miller to Elias Pettersson. We've seen it so many times, obviously. I don't know if the shot was so great or or Elvis (laughs) Merzlikens was out of position a little bit, but whatever, they'll take it, obviously. And, And But yeah, as you mentioned, you know, they were just hemmed in their own end. And it, it was the look of a, of a tired team. You could tell there was a little bit of fatigue there. You mentioned Ian Cole's name. He did not have a good afternoon for the Vancouver no, Canucks. No. Probably probably could have used some load management in this one for the Vancouver Canucks. But at the tail end of the trip, this is going to happen. You know, teams go on long road trips. And it doesn't happen only to this team for a long part of the season. And usually by the end of it, the fatigue does end up kicking in. You're one foot out the door. You're thinking about what's going on, what time's the flight. All sorts of stuff kind of goes into your head when when you're there. And then obviously, you know, you restore your lead. Columbus ties it again. And then you go into the third period. You know, you take it again. And then obviously, you know, the Columbus Blue Jackets able to come back and get that goal late. I thought DeSmith probably should have been a little bit tighter on his post there, Jeff, on that goal. But again, another not so good effort for Ian Cole on on that play. Yeah, I just go back to the second period to look at the goals there. Uh, Voronkov, uh, the tip in front, man, is that guy, nobody knows about him, nobody talks about him, but he's six foot five, 235 pounds. He was a fourth-round draft pick. I think uh, they found something there. Uh, that's just a big body that's uh, hard to move, his first of two on the afternoon. And so that ties the game. But again, the Canucks, you know, we've talked about it. We've done shows here. We said, you know, these games that just begging for power play one to to put the hammer down. And, and certainly it did. And it restored the lead at three to two. I wonder if, I mean, how many times have we seen Pedersen one-time shots from that spot? And I'm sure Merzlikens is that puck's going across is probably setting himself up for, you know, the one-timer. And Petey corrals it. I think he kind of bobbled it a little bit. But I wonder if that you know, it serves as a bit of a change up and whatever the case. He has time and space. He's going to pick his spots and he he did there. So 23rd goal of the season for Elias Pettersson. Fought at three to two. You know, another, this is going to be another game winner for Petey because that was the story there uh, with four in a row earlier in the trip, but uh, it wasn't to be, uh, he had his chance in the shootout to win it as well and uh, was denied by Elvis, who's leaving the building with a, a victory for the Blue Jackets. <laughs> I, I just think in that second period, though, there were some warning signs. Like, JT Miller turned the puck over to Sillinger. Great a chance, and Casey Smith was terrific as the afternoon went on. But moments after the turnover by Miller, you know, the high stick. And, and JT went 10 games without a penalty, and penalties creeping into his game. Obviously, the day, the fight and the hit and uh, took the penalty in Pittsburgh as well. This one just sort of seemed needless in a 2-1 game, kind of a sleepy game. And, you know, miles from his own net, JT gets the stick up, nowhere to hide. I mean, even he couldn't uh, 
you know, lobby to the officials that uh, they somehow missed that call. So, you know, again, I just think you're looking at your leadership group to try to set the tone. Didn't like that. Uh, Zadorov had his pocket picked. Uh, Roslovic had that opportunity in the second period. Uh, Quince, uh, there were others, uh, you know, and then the penalties we talked about. Miller, uh, Zadorov took a cross-checking penalty. Tyler Myers with a trip on Fantilli. And so now all of a sudden you're leaning on your penalty killers and penalty killing has been pretty good for the Canucks of late. But at the end of a trip, it's like, oh, you know, those are hard minutes and, and you're asking an awful lot of uh, a small group of guys. So, Ultimately, Columbus goes one for five with the man advantage, including the offsetting penalties in overtime. And, you know, we come back to the fact that power play one had an opportunity. Now, it didn't last long because Elias Pedersen takes his gasp second penalty of the season. (laughs) He's now tied. He and Austin Matthews both sitting on two minor penalties. I I think they have to be the front runners for the Lady Bing. I don't think anybody ever sets out at the outset of the year to be the Lady Bing winner. We should point out as well, Morgan Riley of the Leafs, uh, good West Vancouver boy defense has yet to take a penalty. So I hope I'm not jinxing. Yeah, I hope I'm not jinxing him. But, you know, (laughs) so often the the lady being is who's the highest scoring guy with the least penalty minutes. But if you got a defenseman that's doing that and goes half a season and has yet to go to the penalty box, uh, certainly shout out uh, to Morgan Riley. But yeah, I I thought, you know, this was going to be the gift that the Canucks were looking for. A power play in overtime, four on three, basically throw your all-stars out there and let them do their thing. But uh, again, wasn't to be, and even though they did score the power play goal in the second period, uh, never really got set up and got the looks that they were looking for in overtime. Uh, you know, their, their best overtime look was probably Andre Kuzmenko mm-hmm. uh, when he stuck with it. They had the two-on-one that didn't quite work, but he stuck with it, moved around the slot, and you know created some space for himself, got a, a pretty good scoring opportunity there. And we should mention as well, he doesn't figure in the scoring in that second period on the Pedersen goal, but... It was Kuzmenko that drew the penalty. So another night where not a whole lot happens, and if you just looked at the score sheet, you'd say, oh, quiet night for Kuzmenko. And it was, but there were some moments and kind of always feels like he's going to be a talking point on every one of these post-game episodes we do. No, absolutely. 15.39 ice time for Kuzmenko, two shots on net. So starting to play a little bit more, starting to get involved. You know, with with putting with some positive stats is getting the pucks on net. Um, Twenty six minutes of ice time for Philip Ronick. Also, one thing, Jeff, yeah. in overtime, that uh, Sillinger. I mean, after Patterson took that penalty, he almost dipsy doodled and scored probably what could have been one of the goals of the year if Smith doesn't make that save there. Uh, it was that was pretty when uh, you know he, he was able to take the puck there and, and you know go down the wing and cut to the middle on the backhand. So that was pretty. Um, but yeah, for the, for this Vancouver Canucks team, I I, I just. Look at the end of this road trip and going into this game, I just, what was your mindset? Your mindset was we've played really, really, really well. We know we're going home. And I think you just, I don't want to say they coasted through it, but I think that they looked at this team again, again, the Columbus Blue Jackets said, you know, if we're right at 85%, we can probably beat them. And the Columbus Blue Jackets proved that, you know, no, there, there, there's no easy wins in the National Hockey League. And, the, and they definitely did prove that. So the Canucks were on their heels for the second period pretty much onward in this game and unfortunately came on the wrong end there. But some positives to take if you're Rick Tockett, you know, you get the extra point, obviously, and then the bigger picture is the successful road trip. You've got five guys that are going to the All-Star game. Demko obviously didn't play, but when it gets to three-on-three or shootout, those guys should be difference makers and game breakers. And I'm always surprised that the Canucks have just the two wins beyond regulation time. And one of them came the other night in Pittsburgh. But... It is what it is, as uh, 
uh, a guy I recall that played for the Canucks once said, uh, 4-3, a shootout loss for the Vancouver Canucks. Let's talk about Casey DeSmith because uh, it seemed like his start, uh, and, and sure enough, it was at the end of the trip. He was good against the Islanders. He's been good pretty much every time out for the Vancouver Canucks. So it's a, an earned start, and we've talked, to about, you know, the confidence level I think the group has in him, the coaching staff has in him. He gives the Canucks a chance to win. But you're right, in a 3-2 hockey game, the one at the side of the net there, the, the tying goal, I, I'm sure he's assuming that his teammates are going to do a better job protecting the <laughs> puck and and so maybe caught a little bit uh, off guard in, in that regard. And then, you know, he stares down the first three shooters he faces in the shootout, you can't ask for any more than that. PD's got the game on his stick. If he scores there, it's game over, and the Canucks are coming home with a, a sixth-rate victory. So, again, Casey DeSmith gave the Canucks ample opportunity here. He's 7-3-3 three, and three, uh, on the season is his record, so three outright losses, and otherwise he's picked up points in 10 of his 13 starts, uh, stops 38 of 41 in the run of play, and then three of the four in the shootout. And Kirill Merchenko, who uh, looks dangerous every time he's got the puck on his stick, you know, a little uh, cheeky play, but hey, whatever it takes, uh, conventional shots and opportunities weren't working for anybody in the shootout, so a little trickery gets DeSmith to open up and then just slides that puck through, uh, a little poke to uh, basically score the game winner. But what did you make of Casey DeSmith's afternoon? I mean, look, his backup goalie, he knew you knew he was probably getting this start, obviously, and you know, 41 saves on 44 shots is pretty good, right? You stare down the first three shooters. You mentioned you have one of your all-stars, Petter, Elias Pettersson, with the game on his stick, able to end it, and then he doesn't. So I'm not going to fault Casey DeSmith here too, too much, but he's going to want to have the tying goal back, obviously. I think they're going to look at that in film and say, okay, prop might have been on the defense and he's going to get bailed out a little bit. But like we've talked about before, I, I, Jeff, when we did one of these earlier on in, the, in December, I think that, when this coaching staff and including Ian Clark looks at it and they say, okay, is this going to be a Demko game or can we go to DeSmith? There's that decision is still going to be made. You know, it's not necessarily always going to be Thatcher Demko's nighter or, or, or what have you. So I still think that, you know, for what he's brought to this Vancouver Canucks team and when they acquired him, you know, it's, it's being that, you know, veteran backup goalie, someone that, someone that they can lean on, someone that they can, you know, put in at, at any time and know that, you know, you're going to get a good outing out of him. You know, you have other teams around the National Hockey League that are scared to put in their backup goaltenders because they don't know what type of, look at the Toronto Maple Leafs. They're scared yeah. to put in a starting goalie, right? So you just don't know what kind of outfit you're going to get from them. But from the Canucks and Casey DeSmith, I think he came basically as advertised you know they acquired him they liked him might have been Jeff I want to say one of their best acquisitions you know of the offseason heading into heading into this season just because of the depth that he's been able to provide and the wins that he's gotten for this team this season yeah and I I, you know every time Rick Talk is asked about him he he talks more about uh, the character of the person Mm -hmm. the way that he's integrated in the locker room, liked and respected, and then he talks about him as a goaltender, and that's important for a backup. You know, you know you're not going to play very often, especially behind Thatcher Demko, and so it's show up at work with a smile on your face, practice hard, be ready, and Casey Smith does all of those things, and then when he gets the tap, uh, he's been really good for the Vancouver Canucks. Now, they lose in a shootout, so and it's just the second shootout they've had. They're 0 for 2 in shootouts now. They lost in Minnesota in a game in mid-December, when you lose in a shootout, I, I mean, I suppose, and we're sort of, you know, picking at things here with a hockey club that is still tops of the tables and everything else, but we did find out our answer that if it goes beyond the big three, who's next over the boards? I'm going to admit I was a little surprised that Pia Suter 
was the fourth shooter for the Vancouver Canucks. Now, again, this isn't like they've got this huge body of work to go off of in terms of the number of times that uh, they've been to shootouts this year. So I don't know, because they don't practice shootouts generally, the practices that I've been. So I don't know what sort of analytics they would use to arrive at this decision. Whatever the case, you've got your leading goal scorer in Brock Besser. He's sitting there on the bench. He didn't get his name called. I still think with all the moves that he's got, that Quinn Hughes would be uh, an intriguing proposition in a shootout. But uh, were you with me, Earth? Were you surprised that Pia Suter was number four over the boards? Absolutely. I thought for sure it was going to be Brock. And then you're right, Quinn Hughes, especially because Quinn Hughes called his shot. And we've seen him do it before. <laughs> like, how, how do you not even go there? I guess maybe at that point, you know, you're like, we got the win. And you're just looking at the bench and you say, OK, 24, go. Like, it's just maybe just one of those things or you just don't really think of it. I'm not sure if how many different types of analytics are involved in these things because you obviously just said it. You know, they don't practice shootouts a whole lot. So maybe it was just, you know, whatever the coach or the assistant coach was feeling at that point and say, just go over the boards. But you're right. The guy with the, the leading goal score on the team, not there. And, you know, the Norris Trophy winner who's done it in the shootout before. Yeah, and I just, I would push it a little further that Connor Garland had scored in this game. Connor Garland's been lights out for them for the better part of six weeks now. And Connor Garland and Rick Tockett would know this better than anybody. When the Canucks acquired Connor Garland from Arizona, he had one of the best conversion rates in shootouts. Like that was one of the things, and I don't think they made the trade because of that, but (laughs) it's value added that look in a league where every point matters, you've got a guy who earlier in his career was an absolute shootout ace, and yet he doesn't get the opportunity either. So, you know, I don't think we're going to hear from Rick Tockett after this game and be pressed on, you know, the order of his shootout shooters, but somewhere down the line, it might be something that uh, we have the opportunity to question him about just because Pia Suter plays hard, uh, he's responsible, all those types of things, but a game breaker, I don't put him in that category. That said, if he had won, it would look like a brilliant decision, and, you know, that's uh, the nature of being a coach. You sort of open yourself to some second guessing. Rick Tockett has pushed just about every correct button for this Vancouver Hockey Club, so we won't hold it against them, but I just think in a you know, in a format like this where we analyze everything that the Vancouver Canucks do, it did feel like a little bit of a, a curious decision uh, at the very least. Uh, JT Miller opens the scoring 20th goal of the year. He got his 40th assist a little bit later on, so he's up to 60 points now for JT Miller uh, in just 44 games. So uh, again, well ahead of the pace of a few years ago when he finished up with 99 points. He leads the Vancouver Canucks with 60, and that 20th goal, by the way, Gives the Canucks three 20-goal scores on the roster now, and that's just the second time in club history that they've ever had twenty or three 20-goal scores at the 44-game mark. Maybe I should have saved that one for our stat that stands out. Uh, we'll have that a little bit later on here in this episode. Of course, we'll have our rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection. We'll uh, get into the locker room for a little bit of reaction before the Canucks jump on their flight and head on home. We'll get listener reaction as well whatever else we can squeeze into this episode of Rinkwide Vancouver. But before we go any further, it is time now for our Betway Bet of the Day. And normally we look at uh, other games around the National Hockey League. Uh, strange start here. Uh, doesn't uh, allow us to take a look at uh, games in the next couple of days. So we're going to go to the Futures uh, board. And again, it was a quiet day for Thatcher Demko. He sat and he watched from the bench. But Betway's got updated odds now on the Vesna. And 
Connor Hellebuck has moved to the top of the list with the things that he has done in Winnipeg. He's the favorite at 275, Thatcher Demko at 375, Cam Talbot still on the board, although the Los Angeles Kings are reeling. Jeremy Swayman and Talbot are third, tied for third, but uh, really it does look like a two-horse race right now between Connor Hellebuck and Thatcher Demko, and so we'll see where things go with that one. It's not uh, game odds that you can find at Betway. You can find uh, futures as well for all of the major National Hockey League awards. Must be 19-plus to play, and please play responsibly. The Canucks are heading on home. They're going to take on Arizona on Thursday to open a five-game homestand that will take them up to the All-Star break, and of course, not much of a break as we know now for the five guys that are going to the All-Star game along with head coach Rick Tockett. Canucks fall 4-3 at the tail end of the road trip. They drop one in Columbus. This is Rinkwide Vancouver, and it's brought to you by Betway. in a shootout. The Canucks fall to the Columbus Blue Jackets. Jeff and Irv, as we break this one down, we had our say. Let's hear from the head coach. Rick Tockett uh, was asked after this game about the game itself and the result, but uh, ultimately the, the bigger picture of a 5-1-1 road trip. We grinded. I mean, we're, we're a tired group. I mean, it's kind of some mistakes that we usually don't make. I think it was just a mentally, it was a tough game for some guys, um, but we hung in there, you know. Had to lead there uh, late in the third and got to give them credit. Columbus worked hard. They worked hard through the neutral zone. Tough. They got some young skill. They're, they're, they're an up-and-coming team. What impressed you most about the way this group played and found different ways to win through this trip? Well, I mean, it's been a hell of a trip. You know, it's like I said, you know, there's been a lot thrown at the guys. Um, and you could tell, you know, men- mentally fatigued. But um, like I said, you know, to grind out a point at this stage, uh, the seventh game, going home. So I think it's just uh, nice to get ho- get on that plane and get uh, get home. Yeah, lots of praise for his team, as you can uh, understand. But interesting, too. And, and we talked about it a little bit earlier in that opening segment. Just, you know, there were. There were some uncharacteristic mistakes that uh, his team made, and particularly, you know, compounding mistakes. That's what they've been so good at this year is mistakes are going to happen. It's a fast game. The other team's out there trying to force the issue, too. But if you compound your mistakes, most often it's going to result in some scoring chances. And I think we saw a little bit of that. And maybe you just chalk that up to fatigue. Well, I think that that was the biggest thing, right? And I think that Rick knows. You know, he's been around long enough to know that, you know, these these really obviously from being a player and now being a head coach and, and in and around the game so much is, you know, his newest guy's legs probably didn't have enough to get through the whole game. And you hope that, you know, when you score early and thing, you might be able to get this game kind of fully in your reach. But give Columbus credit when they did. And obviously the Canucks just move on from here. I mean, you get five wins on this road. I think you're going to be happy as a coaching staff. I do wonder, and he wasn't asked about it post-game, but uh, we talked about the fact that Ian Cole had a a tough night. Uh, He was out there for a couple of goals. He took a penalty as well when he hooked uh, Johnny Hockey. I do wonder if load management was considered. They did it, and they were willing to do it after the Rangers win and going into Long Island. Now, those were back-to-back, but end of the trip here, you've got Noah Juleson, who's played well, fresh legs, and even to you know a further extent, Linus Carlson, the extra healthy forward. I, I wonder if that was considered. I have to think it was considered at the very least, but I guess the other side there is uh, you don't tamper too much with a, a winning lineup aside from going to Casey DeSmith, whatever the case. Like, I'm not pinning this on Ian Cole. His afternoon stood out because he's been so solid for the Vancouver Canucks all season long, and he just had a, a bit of a tough day. But you know, it felt like the opportunity at the very least was there to go back to Noah Juleson and for whatever reason they elected not to. No, absolutely. And maybe it was like you just mentioned, don't, uh, don't change what won against Buffalo, yeah. but they did it before. 
So right. it's one of those things like, why not go back to it just to give the guy a break? But I mean, look, there, there'll be ample opportunity for him to get some rest here. And he's not the only one that, you know, maybe could have used load management on that back end as well. I'm not just picking it on him, but when you look at it, you know, it suggests that it might've been, he might've been the odd one out there. Yeah. And look, Zadorov took the penalty in the second period, had the giveaway to Raslovic. He did pick up an assist on JT Miller's goal, the bouncer that uh, found its way into open the scoring. So there are some other candidates and that's going to be a storyline to monitor as the season goes along. One guy that's not getting load managed is JT Miller. Uh, continues to get it done for the Canucks, uh, 20th goal of the season. Wasn't terribly interested post-game in breaking down the 65 minutes of hockey and the skills competition. Wanted to take the broader look at you know, what the Canucks accomplished here as they worked their way on this seven-game road trip. Listen, that was a, uh, a good road trip. Like we had a, uh, you know, we came together as a team, I thought, um, you know, wanted some really fun environments to play in, some hard teams. And, uh, you know, we just didn't we just didn't play well today. There's not a whole lot to like about it, if I'm being honest. So I love that we got a point. Casey was on the rail. Um, it could have been way worse than it was. And I really don't even really want to spend, like, I don't think as a group, I mean, we've done a good job lately. I mean, that was just kind of a dub for us. I think we know that, but we're going to, we have a high expectation that we'll get back to where we need to be for next game. So there you go. JT Miller and the Vancouver Canucks on their way home. And uh, I can tell you for a fact that Tuesday will be a full team day off. I actually, I wondered if they had made it six straight, if they would have gotten two days off here after being away from family and friends for so long. But uh, I would imagine there'll be a practice day in there and then get ready for Arizona on Thursday. The Canucks, uh, yes, they leave one on the table. That hasn't happened too often this season. They can still feel like they've got momentum as they come off this lengthy, lengthy road trip. All right, let's get to the rink-wide Vancouver three-star selection from this hockey game. Lots of guys uh, involved on both sides. So, uh, I don't know, in my mind, certainly uh, a number of candidates. The three stars is selected in the building, all from the Columbus Blue Jackets, and that's fine. They don't uh, get many wins, uh, so we'll allow them a little bit of home cooking for their three-star selection. Voronkov was the first star. Johnny Hockey was the second star. And Kirill Marchenko, who gets the shootout winner, uh, he is the third star. I'm not going clean sweep uh, for the rink-wide Vancouver three stars, but certainly Voronkov with the two goals, uh, first time in his NHL career. And I have to think at his size that uh, there'll be a lot more goals. He's just going to be a handful to move from the front of the net. So uh, Dmitry Voronkov is the first star. I'm going Casey the Smith. I, I thought he was that good for the Vancouver Canucks, especially as the ice started to, to tilt some of the saves that he made. So uh, a little love to the Canucks backup goaltender who uh, at least gets them a single point out of this one. And I'm going off the board a little bit, but I thought Cole Sillinger was an absolute force in this hockey game. Now, you look at the score sheet and you're thinking, what are you talking about? The guy didn't uh, figure in the scoring at all. And yet he's the guy, I thought he was going to get an assist on the uh, opening goal because he's the guy that beats Teddy Bluger in that board battle, pokes the puck to Johnny Gaudreau and, and Gaudreau gets it to Chinnikov to tie the game at one. But, Irf, we're talking about a 20-year-old. This guy doesn't yeah. turn 21 for a few more months. He played 24 and a half minutes of this hockey game. When the Canucks had the power play in overtime, he was out there as the penalty-killing forward. He's on the power play, he kills penalties, 24, a career high for him, by the way, of ice time, seven shots on goal, 11 attempts, and the guy took like 30 faceoffs in this hockey game as well. So I know it's been a bit of a, a bumpy road for a young guy, as it so often is in the National Hockey League, and especially with Columbus, uh, you know, you sometimes wonder the way that they've handled their young players and managed their minutes and those types of things. But man, like 
I, I just thought this guy was a warrior in this hockey game. So I was really impressed with Cole Sillinger throughout the game. Yeah, he's been playing some pretty good hockey of late. Obviously, you mentioned his career high in ice time. He had a hat trick earlier this month against the Minnesota Wild there. But the guy shoots the puck a lot, too. He hasn't gone a game in a really, really long time without registering at least two shots on net. So good for him. I mean, the future is pretty bright over there in Columbus, Jeff, with, you know, you got him, you have Fantilli, you've got obviously Kent Johnson from these parts of the lower mainland as well. So it's an interesting time to be a Columbus Blue Jackets fan right now. Well, and all the young Russians as well, Marchenko and Chinnikov. And, and again, uh, I'll admit that I didn't know a whole lot about Voronkov, but uh, to get a player like that uh, at his size in the fourth round, and now he's up to nine goals already this season. So, you know, the problem there is that people have been saying the future in Columbus is bright for, for far too long. And then we know that things go off the rails and there's coaching changes and management changes and all that. Like at some point you do wonder, can they put it all together? Canucks will see the Blue Jackets again uh, in 10 days time. It's the final game before the All-Star break at Rogers Arena. I think it was last year. It was the final game against the, because it was Horvat's final game as a Canuck was against the Blue Jackets and Ilya Mikheyev uh, scored and then they shut him down as well. So second year in a row that uh, the final game before the All-Star break will be the Canucks and the Blue Jackets at Rogers Arena. All right. I'm sure Cole Sillinger's thrilled. On top of his team winning and all the individual accomplishments, he gets the rink-wide Vancouver three-star <laughs> selection here as well. Vronkov to Smith and Sillinger are the three stars here on rink-wide Vancouver. All right. Uh, still ahead, we've got a stat that stands out. We've got uh, some listener feedback about the game and the road trip and a thought or two on what's to come here with five straight now at home. The Canucks can put those suitcases away. They won't need them until the All-Star break. Some will be heading for the sunshine. And of course, we know uh, half the roster is going to Toronto to represent the organization at All-Star weekend. 4-3, the Canucks fall in a shootout to the Blue Jackets. This is rink-wide Vancouver. The single point the Canucks get in Columbus gives them 62 on the season. They had an opportunity to become the first team in the National Hockey League to the 30-win mark. That still may be the case when they play again on Thursday. We'll see what happens around them on the National Hockey League out-of-town scoreboard. They're 29-11-4. We've said uh, already that they went 5-1-1 one, one on this road trip. And the single point keeps them with just those two outright losses now in 18 hockey games. Pretty hard to argue with that. 13-2-3 over their last 18. All right, we'll get to some listener feedback here momentarily, Irv, but it is time for the stat that stands out. And not often that we get news that breaks sort of as we do this uh, show. But again, that happens uh, early start, a bunch of early starts around the National Hockey League. The league came out with its three stars for the week. I know we did our rink-wide Vancouver three stars, but uh, these are the three stars for the week, and Elias Pettersson is star number one, and these stats certainly stand out when you look at the week that was for Elias Pettersson. Five goals, four assists, nine points in four games. He had all those game-winning goals there in the middle of the road trip as well. So his uh, new week is off to another good start uh, with a goal and an assist in Columbus, but uh, the first star of the week for the last week in the National Hockey League, along with Blake Coleman and Alexander Georgiev of the Colorado Avalanche. Those are the three stars. So Elias Pettersson getting the nod as the league's top star, uh, certainly a stat that stands out. All right, let's get to our feedback channels at Rinkwide Van. We always ask you what stood out in a game or what stood out in the road trip. Lots of great responses always, so we appreciate all of that. Double Dime. On Twitter says, end of the trip, bonus point during a scheduled loss. They did all they could. Hell of a road trip. 
Uh, yeah, I mean, there are times where you look at the schedule and you, you think scheduled loss, but I do think you have to take the opponent into account as well. Like Seattle just rolled into Columbus and put up seven, and it can be done. The Blue Jackets give up uh, more goals than just about everybody in the National Hockey League, and unfortunately for them, uh, you know, Elvis was decent in this hockey game, and the Canucks only able to muster the three. Travis said Canucks looked tired on those shootout attempts. Glad we got a point. I thought this was a scheduled loss. Wouldn't have been mad at a 500 road trip based on the opponents. And yeah, I mean, I, I think when you take the totality of the road trip, I know I had put the baseline at 4-2-1. and one. They assured themselves a fifth win with the victory in Buffalo the other day. Still, I mean, whether it was 5-2, and two, whether it's 5-1-1, one and one, if they had managed to win this hockey game, it would have been incredible to come home with six straight after the loss in St. Louis. But uh, I think by any measure, given how far they went, how many games they played in a relatively short span, and the level of the opponents, sort of the meat in the middle of this road trip, uh, across the board. Like, you just, you got to tip your cap to this group that uh, that was a, a hell of a road trip. Yeah, we talked about it too, Jeff. I mean, uh, there was 13 games in January. Before this road trip, we said that seven was probably going to be the mark that, you know, you look at, say, how many wins are they going to maybe get in the, uh, at this month? Seven, seven and a half. Well, they're already at five based on this road trip. And, you know, we're only in the middle of January right now. So clearly they did a pretty good job on this trip. I agree with obviously both of those listeners as well. You know, just tail end of the trip. Be happy to get, you know, the point. I'm not sure about the scheduled losses. I, I do get looking at the schedule and saying that, okay, if this is the one we're going to give up, it's going to be this one. I'm not sure the coaches or players really think like that. I think the fan base does more so that this is the one that they're going to lose. But nevertheless, I mean, you get the point. And I think that that's the one thing that they'll be happy with uh, as they make their way back to Vancouver. Paul says, surpassing most people's expectations on the road trip. Wonderful stuff. David says, great roadie. Team sucks at shootouts. Boys need to go to bed for a week. Yeah, I'm sure they'll sleep well on the flight, uh, hopefully for them. No delays getting out of Columbus uh, shouldn't be. They had no problems getting in there. Ultimately, once they left Toronto yesterday, the issue was getting out of Buffalo and getting across the border. Uh, Ralph says, after that loss in St. Louis, did not expect them to come away with 11 points. Good trip. So, yeah, uh, you know, even in a loss, I think people taking the big picture look here that, uh, sure, you don't want to drop anything to the Columbus Blue Jackets, but uh, give the Jackets credit the way that they sort of turned this game and and uh, played most of uh, the final 40 minutes in the Canucks zone. Uh, but yes, for the Vancouver Canucks, it's just add another point here as they continue to, you know, claw their way towards that ultimate goal of getting the X beside their name and and then, you know, whatever else they can do uh, to try to win the Pacific Division and see if they're still in a position to take a run at top spot in the Western Conference. Just a couple other things here as uh, we wrap up this episode of Rinkwide. Uh Again, the power play on the road trip, it's funny for all the success. And again, you know, the team has been so good this year. You kind of feel like you're trying to grasp and, and find things to criticize. And I'm not. It's just with that assembly of talent, the way that they've been playing at five on five, and they did get a power play goal in the game. But, you know, that's the one area, I guess, that there's still work to be done is you know, ultimately the power plays were soft. They each scored once. So with the assembly of talent the Canucks can put out there, You'd just like to think that the the power play can carry the day. And uh, I guess the flip side is, you know, that's impressive stuff to go out on the road and do what they did five on five for the most part. But there certainly is some room for improvement and has been now for the better part of a, a couple of months when it comes to striking with the man advantage. No, I agree. Uh, and I think that maybe it might be time for a different look on that PP1, Jeff. I think maybe go to two defensemen because we know that Philip Ronick is an absolute bomb 
of a shot. We've seen it this season. And, you know, you let him kind of be more so patrolling the blue line and then let Quinn do the Quinn things offensively, create space with the puck on his stick and do that and have make different looks for other guys, obviously the besters of the world and Pedersen and, and a guy like JT Miller. So maybe time for a better look, but I'm not the coach of the team or a guy that's going to design their power play. I'm just someone that watches and we obviously look at things to analyze and pick out a little bit. But I think I'd like to see maybe go back to the traditional two defensemen on the point power play and kind of see what happens from there. All right, so the month started with a, a win over Ottawa. Then they went out on this road trip. Now they're home for five in a row, starting on Thursday against the Arizona Coyotes. Now, at the outset of the season, this was going to be an incredible week of hockey for the Vancouver Canucks, Arizona notwithstanding. But you get Toronto on Saturday, and then Connor Bedard's first visit to Vancouver in the National Hockey League. We know that storyline has been put on the shelf, unfortunately. But the Blackhawks will be here next week. Uh, you know, Canucks found out again against Columbus that you can't take anybody lightly and that uh, every team is capable of rising up on any given day. But, you know, you look at the road trip. Arizona, Toronto, you touched on the fact that uh, from night to night, uh, you never know what you're getting in goal from the Toronto Maple Leafs. You get the Blackhawks, the Blues, and then a rematch against this Blue Jackets team. Like, there's every reason to believe that uh, the Vancouver Canucks uh, should come home, rest up, and... You know, again, find a way to get on a roll here. I'd like to think that they could go four for five uh, at the very least on this five-game homestand that's going to take them up to the All-Star break. No, absolutely. I mean, and their home ice record is very, very, very good. So I think that, you know, they're going to like the home cooking, like to be able to, you know, get back into their own beds and things like that. And, you know, of the, of their opponents, you know, you don't, you don't want to take any too lightly, but I agree with you, four or five. And obviously the Leaf game, that's the one that everyone has circled on their calendar. It would have been the Connor Bedard game, but unfortunately, good news that he was skating by himself. So that is some good news there for, for fans in Chicago and, and of the game. But uh, that Leaf one should be fun on Saturday night for sure. Yeah, well, we know this fan base. There are some that would say, hey, one and four on the road tr- or on the homestand would be fine as long as the one is against, is against the, the Leafs. Against the Absolutely. Toronto Maple Leafs. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think uh, you raised the, the stakes a little bit, but definitely people in Vancouver will want that win against Toronto. And of course, that's the Saturday game hockey night in Canada. Before then, it's Arizona in here. Uh, first look at the Coyotes this season on Thursday night at Rogers Arena. So that's when we'll be back with our next episode of Rinkwide Vancouver. Five to go before the All-Star break. 4-3, the Canucks fall to the Blue Jackets in Columbus in a shootout for Irfan Gaffar. This is Jeff Patterson. Thanks so much for listening to Rinkwide Vancouver, brought to you by Betway. <laughs>